Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 259 and uh, I'm back on a regular time schedule. So last episode I recorded early and and wondered what might happen in that extra week. And, and, you know, stuff happened, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't apocalyptic. I'm very grateful to say. So, uh, today's episode blog is about a trip to the drugstore, (laughs) um, which, oh boy, like it's so much worse. I don't know about the drugstore you go to, but I went to pick up some medication yesterday and uh, it was like a 20 minute wait for the one guy working the register and like pick up wine or whatever. They had only one pharmacist. Oh, it's, it's, uh, yikes. (laughs) I, I think perhaps they need to pay their employees a bit more to hire more people is what I think. Anyway, uh, there's a lot going on, I think, in the inner workings of this drugstore, as you'll hear in this post. Uh, So it is called, They Locked Up the Toothpaste. While she attempted to scrape the anti-theft sticker off my shampoo, the cashier at my pharmacy told me that there'd been a big shampoo heist. She figured they were selling the expensive stuff for double the price out on the street. Gotta watch out for that hot shampoo. But I get it. The expensive stuff is very expensive. And worth it, unfortunately. I asked her if they'd also had a toothpaste heist. Because I'd noticed that they'd locked up all the toothpastes. (laughs) Oh yeah, she said. They hit it hard. I can't stop thinking about this. Because toothpaste is expensive, sure. At least more expensive than it should be. But it's not so expensive as to have a black market value. Toothpaste is the kind of expensive you don't notice at all if you have money. You just throw it in your basket and forget about it. But if you're struggling, toothpaste is the kind of expensive where you kind of can't believe it. You think about all the other things you could get for that $6, like lunch, for example. If people are stealing toothpaste, the most likely explanation is that they're poor and they want to keep their teeth clean. It is a sign of people trying to retain some dignity in a difficult situation. A toothpaste heist strikes me as being a sign of a deteriorating economic state. I'd be curious to know if toothpaste was a kind of economic indicator, like they talk about on the Planet Money podcast, a small thing that reveals a truth about the bigger picture. Feels like an indicator to me. Because I've worked with a fair number of economically disadvantaged people, and there are some things folks end up scrimping on that you wouldn't think of if it weren't your struggle. I had a student who got teased all the time by his fellow middle school students about smelling bad. When his classroom teacher investigated, she discovered that his folks were trying to save money on laundry detergent. Laundry detergent might also be an indicator, come to think of it. But that kid's teeth were brushed. Having the toothpaste locked up 
feels almost apocalyptic, especially now, here at the other side of the first metaphorical pandemic earthquake. Like, we got through the last year, and now we're getting vaxxed, and things are opening back up. But it's still so bad for folks that they have to steal toothpaste. They've stolen so much toothpaste that the pharmacy has started treating it like expensive shampoo. But even worse than the shampoo, because it's behind glass, not just slapped with an alarm-triggering sticker. I don't run a retail business. So clearly, I don't know. But it seems like if I ran a place and the people were stealing toothpaste, I might just accept that as the kind of loss that benefits the people of the neighborhood I have my store in and not worry too much about it. But these folks decided to lock it up, which strikes me as kind of dumb. I have bought toothpaste at this pharmacy before, but now that it's locked up, rather than go through the trouble of finding someone to get a key and open it for me, I'll just grab some from one of the many other places nearby that don't put their toothpaste behind glass. It's just easier. And... Maybe even more importantly, I, I feel better about those places and their attitude toward the poor of our neighborhood. I, I feel the same about the stores that have racist practices like this. There are businesses that lock up their hair products for black people and not their equally expensive products for white people. I don't go to those businesses because they make their racism plain on their shelves. And this feels like a similar kind of vibe. We don't really have a word for prejudice or discriminating against poor people, but it might be useful if we did. Maybe it's just raging capitalist, corporate tool, cruel economic essentialist. I don't know. But whatever the word is, my pharmacy has just revealed itself to be that by locking up the toothpaste. Hey, capitalists, don't lock up the toothpaste. Honestly, I'd rather pay more for toothpaste to help get some for those who are struggling. It's for the common good. So there's one fact in this that is a little bit blurry, which is at the beginning, I say I was buying shampoo, but it was actually conditioner. But conditioner just doesn't have the same zing as shampoo especially in a heist. But she did say, the, the cashier did say shampoo, even though I was buying conditioner. I don't think she distinguished. And I guess conditioner is a kind of shampoo? Is it, does it qualify? I don't know. Anyway, I do buy expensive conditioner. I actually don't buy expensive shampoo, <laughs> which is very silly. But that's, that's what this curly hair is all about, conditioner. So um, that is, I've, I felt I needed to confess that there is one th fact that is not quite a fact in this piece. Uh, yes. So I did not check when I was in there the other day whether they still had the toothpaste locked up. I should have. Next time I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see. Hopefully they straightened out their brains on that subject. So for the song... There aren't any really great toothpaste tunes, to my knowledge. If you know one, please let me know. 
so I thought about songs that were kind of about the struggle, about poverty, about economics. I don't know. Uh, so I landed on uh, Big Rock Candy Mountain, which is maybe not obvious. But it's the first song that I sort of, I, I was like looking at a bunch of Woody Guthrie stuff, which would have absolutely been a good choice. He does ha have quite a few songs about, um, you know, being on the road and struggling and all of that stuff. Uh, but Big Rock Candy Mountain popped out at me because it is a hobo song. And there's a way where I'm really interested in hobo culture, because there's a kind of romantic quality that 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 now at least sort of surrounds hobo life, uh, and this song was written in the late 1800s by a guy who seems to have had some actual real, you know, experience of of the hobo experience, um, and what I appreciate it about it is that it is it sounds like such a hard life like it it must have been so hard there the the things that a hobo is like dreaming of in this song there, there's like the absence of some really hard things which suggest how hard many things are and the things that are like positive I mean some of them are just silly and fun but others are like he doesn't dream of like a bed to sleep in he dreams of a barn full of hay like it's just it's just an it's it doesn't he's not asking for a lot you know what I mean it's like I would like to not get beaten and uh sleep in some nice hay that's kind of it I mean sure you know uh, a lake full of whiskey sounds nice too but I don't know. I'm fascinated by the sort of extremity of experience of the song. So uh, I will sing it for you in a moment. I will also tell you that I decided to change one word towards the end, which I, apparently I looked up and many people have changed it before me. Uh, there's a line that is where they hung the Turk who invented work. And I have always loved this line. It has a nice quality just in terms of sound and also like the the sort of rebellion quality of like, yeah, we don't work. Blah. Like I, I appreciate that in a world that values productivity so heavily that in this world, they they uh, they they hang the guy who thought it up. But. I'm pretty sure that it is racist <laughs> that the Turk is, uh, you know, probably stands in for anyone of color would be my sense and very or specifically uh, uh, um, an anti-Muslim sentiment. I don't know. I just don't feel good about it. I looked it up because I was like, I got to know more about this. Am I being silly and the first hit that quoted this song was on an alt-right like weird terrifying blog of like some freaky 
scary white supremacist, <laughs> which was full of anti-Muslim rhetoric. And uh, I felt like I touched a live wire, like, oh, my God, how did I end up in this horrible place? So since that was like the first hit, I was like, all right, then if this guy really loves this line, I am not going to sing it. Uh, so I've gone with jerk instead of Turk. Oof. You, you never know what weird holes you're stumble into in, in making a blog and a podcast. Uh, so I will sing that for you in just a moment on ukulele. Um, meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. And if you would like to support it with your dollars, there is patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. And there's also Ko-fi and PayPal. All those links are in the show notes. And any support in any kind of way is always appreciated. The reviews, the stars, the subscribing, all that is very helpful. So thank you. And thank you for listening. And uh, I will shortly give you Big Rock Candy Mountain. I came up with at least two lines of harmony for this thing. And then I didn't use either of them. So I feel like if I were to do it, I would like, a, I would like a, to do it with other people. Like, just feels like a collective. Like, you, I don't, I, somehow I didn't feel like I wanted to hear multiple voices on this one. So it's just the melody. It's on ukulele. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Enjoy, enjoy a hobo tune. Big Rock Candy Mountains by Harry McClintock. When evening as the sun went down And the jungle fire was burning Down the track came a hobo hiking And he said, boys, I'm not turning I'm headed for a land that's far away Beside the crystal fountain So come with me, we'll go and see The Big Rock Candy Mountain." In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, there's a land that's fair and bright, where the handouts grow on bushes, and you sleep out every night, where the boxcars all are empty, and the sun shines every day, on the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees, the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings, in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, all the cops have wooden legs, and the bulldogs all have rubber teeth, and the hens lay soft-boiled eggs. The farmer's trees are full of fruit, and the barns are full of hay. Oh, I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow, where the rain don't fall, the wind don't blow, in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, you never change your socks, and the little streams of alcohol come trickling Brakemen have to tip their hats, and the railroad bulls are blind. There's a lake of stew and of whiskey, too. You can paddle all around them in a big canoe in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, the jails are made of tin, and you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. There ain't no short-handled shovels, no axes, saws, or picks. I'm gonna stay where they sleep all day.
and a mountain.